the Big Ten West alone is looking at five starting quarterbacks next season that are coming into schools from the transfer portal. So which one puts their team in the best position? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten, and thank you for making the show your first listen every weekday. I'm Nate Dickinson. Be sure to follow along at Locked On Big Ten, wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter too. When you type it out, that's one zero at the end, not T-E-N. Wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter. Coming up on today's show, we've got a big Sunday in Big Ten basketball to get through, and also some big football talk that we're going to start off the show with here right now. As I mentioned off the top of the show, the Big Ten West alone is looking at this fall having five different transfer quarterbacks starting for its teams. Only, of course, seven teams in that Big Ten West, but just about everyone outside of Minnesota and Northwestern is going out of house to find their next, hopefully, solution at QB. So I thought, let's go ahead and take those five quarterbacks Start off the show by first getting to know a little bit more about who they are and what they've done, and then ranking them from top to bottom based on the situation that they put their teams in right now. I want to make it very clear, these rankings are not solely alone off quarterback talent. Some of them obviously is what predominantly ranks them, but also I'm factoring in the situation they're going into and the coaching staff in particular that they're going to be going with as well. And I bring that up in particular because it's the reason why I have our number one quarterback on this list at number one. My number one guy out of the five quarterbacks we're going to mention here, Wisconsin's Tanner Mordecai, transfer from SMU, goes into the system with Luke Fickle and has an opportunity to start right away and revolutionize what Wisconsin has done on offense. The Badgers are always a ground and pound team. But when Luke Fickle got hired away from Cincinnati, there has been this big, big movement toward this is going to be a different Wisconsin team. We heard it when he got hired. We heard it at the start of interviews and training camps and spring practices. We've heard it from other coaches anonymously quoted by other reports saying that not only is this Wisconsin team going to be different, but hey, even we're surprised by how big of changes are being made by Luke Fickle and his staff. With a bigger passing attack, you need a bigger passing quarterback. And that is what Tanner Mordecai brings to the Badgers team. He was an SMU starter for the last two seasons. In that time was a 66% completion percentage with 72 touchdowns and 22 interceptions. That's more than 30 touchdowns in each of his two seasons with SMU. This is an air it out quarterback. And Luke Fickle went out and got his guy. This guy is Four-star recruit in his recruiting class all the way back in 2018 was the number 249 recruit in the class. And the reason why I put him on top over the guy that we're going to have at number two is because of the situation he's going into with Fickle. It's a new head coach, yes, but this is a guy who's going to want to air it out right away. And you've got a quarterback here who is going to want to do the same. I'm excited because I think the ceiling is highest for Tanner Mordecai and that Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers team. The number two quarterback on my list. Purdue's Hudson Card, a transfer in from Texas. This is a guy who has a little bit less experience. 
three starts last season with Texas, a 69% passer with six touchdowns and one interception in that season. He is also the highest ranked quarterback as far as recruiting when he came into school out of anybody here. A four-star recruit, number 59 player overall in the 2020 recruiting class. That is a step above everybody else that you're going to see on this list. And Purdue has an opportunity with a new head coach again and with other pieces back with him as two for this guy to come in and immediately pick up where O'Connell and Jeff Brom left off. It's an opportunity. And I don't know if he's for sure going to take take advantage of it all, but this is a guy who's coming from a school like Texas, which obviously knows how to recruit and knows how to recruit its quarterbacks. This is a guy who had highly touted recruiting rankings coming out of high school. We haven't seen much of him yet. But he was the guy who was getting starts for Texas last season. Again, started three different games. He is somebody who would have been the Texas quarterback at some point had it not been for Arch Manning. He now hits the transfer portal. He now heads to Purdue and hopes to get a fresh start as well as that whole Boilermaker team does. So the coaching situation, obviously a little less certain as to what that's going to bring him on the field. But I think that the ability, the raw talent, and just what we've seen from him and what Texas has had confidence in him doing in just the first couple of years as an underclassman is promising for what he can do and how high his ceiling can be as well. In third place, we've got the name that we already know, Cade McNamara. Is it Iowa from Michigan? We already have talked about McNamara plenty before. Led Michigan to the college football playoff in 2021. 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 63% as a passer with the Wolverines. Uh, Jim Harbaugh made it very clear that J.J. McCarthy, he believed, was the better passing option this season, and it turned to him in the middle middle of this season. So now he goes to Iowa, a situation which is obviously much less conducive to passing, but at the same time, really gives Cade McNamara, I think, a chance to fit in right away and help Iowa pick off, pick up right where it left off with Spencer Petrus, if not take a step forward. I don't know how good, say, Cade McNamara is. Uh, again, I'll just read it off. Four-star recruit, number 268 player in the 2019 recruiting class. But in just the limited size that he had with Michigan, you, you know he can manage a game. And to be honest, that's all that Iowa has really ever asked of its quarterbacks, and it's been a lot more than what some of them have been able to do. However, with Cade McNamara, I'm not sure what he does in this situation. Like, he worked at a Michigan spot where there were a huge, huge number of talented players around him. If he's in this Iowa offense, and this Iowa offense is what it's been before, is Cade McNamara the guy that's going to lift that to some sort of next level? Because, while again, when you're talking about replacing Spencer Petrus, it's not exactly a tall task the expectation for him is to exceed what Spencer Petrus did because, I mean, it wasn't like Petrus was extremely successful and satisfying in his starts with the Hawkeyes. So it's a little bit of a weird situation for McNamara where he's going into a situation where he can be kind of a game manager under the Iowa offense in the way that he was with Michigan. But if someone wants him to be anything more than what we've seen before at Iowa, there's still a question mark as to whether he can do that just as there was in Michigan. Hopefully, he gets a chance to prove us wrong with the Hawkeyes. Number five on my list, out of five, Nebraska's Jeff Sims, a transfer from Georgia Tech. This guy, I honestly should have higher. But with Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I skipped one. 
Number four, Illinois' Luke Altmeyer. We'll get to Nebraska's Jeff Sims in just a minute. Luke Altmeyer, the only quarterback transferring in from an SEC school on this list. 28 and 54, 28 of 54, passing with three touchdowns and three interceptions in two seasons at Ole Miss. He was a four-star number 196 recruit in 2021. Honestly, I'll talk about them both at the same time because he and Nebraska's Jeff Sims I had in pretty much the same kind of area. Uh, 57% was Jeff Sims at Nebraska. He, in three years with Georgia Tech, threw for 4,400 yards, was never the consistent guy, 30 touchdowns and 23 interceptions, and the number 223 recruit as a four-star in 2020. So a little bit more experience with Jeff Sims, also not seeing extremely great stats from what he put out at Georgia Tech. With Altmaier, you get yourself an SEC quarterback that you're getting over to the Big Ten, so that's always intriguing but a really, really small sample size in the two seasons he had with the Rebels. So these two more of the unknowns, more of the, okay, what can you do with it? I mean, we've seen Brett Bielema have success with the transfer quarterback in Tommy DeVito from Syracuse. So maybe that's why you put a Illinois Luke Altmaier a little bit higher. And of course, you've got whatever it is that they're going to do over at Nebraska with Matt Rule. It's going to be, of course, interesting to see how that tenure begins. But it's at the very least, Going to be another crazy year in the Big Ten West. Quite possibly the last year of the Big Ten West. And five of these teams are looking like at least things can change. They're going to be starting the seasons with quarterbacks who were on different rosters the year before. It's a new college football world that we're living in. And the Big Ten West is doing its best to try and catch up with the East by using it. We're going to talk more basketball in just a minute here on Locked On Big Ten. A big loss for Penn State to get to. A big loss for Wisconsin to Michigan in overtime, and also Maryland finishes undefeated in the Big Ten season at home. That's all coming up right here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we get to that, though, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you've got to try out a Built Bar. Built Bar is the perfect way to start off that New Year's resolution. It's almost March, you might be saying. But hey, New Year's resolutions can start at any time, and maybe you took the first couple of months off. I'm sure it was a hard couple of months. If you're trying to get healthier this year, or if you're just trying to get through your day, you can head over to Built.com and check out Built Bar. They've got new flavors coming out all the time, from anything from Cherry Garcia to the new coconut almonds or churro flavors that they have out, from the classics to the latest. Built Bar is trying to find that one perfect flavor that's going to have you hooked, and I'm almost willing to promise that it's there somewhere over at Built.com. So if you head over to Built.com right now, you can see more of what I'm talking about. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and the official protein bar of us here at Locked On for a very, very long time. Also, if you're over at Costco, you can go and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie butter, batter, and churro. You can thank me later for that one. So go in-store to Costco or online at Built.com to check out Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and the particular choice of us here at Locked On. All right, let's get into college basketball from Sunday. Another exciting day of Big Ten basketball. We posted a show up on Sunday reviewing the Saturday games if you want to get into that. And also ask the question, what is wrong with Purdue? Boilermakers have now lost four of their last six. Is there anything wrong with the Boilermakers? We went over things on that episode that we posted before. Let's get into the games from Sunday, though. Maryland beats number 21 Northwestern at home. This was one I picked Mar- or I picked Northwestern to win, and I picked them against a spread in our picks at the end of the show, and 
It's one of those they feel a little bit foolish for betting that way after. Apologies on that. Maryland finishes undefeated at home in the Big Ten. I should have known that that was the reason to pick the Terrapins, and they pick up a 75-59 to win. Clinches also a share of the Big Ten title for the Purdue Boilermakers with the loss for Northwestern. There's a whole bunch of teams, including actually both Northwestern and Maryland, that could win that Big Ten title alongside Purdue. However, it is still the Boilermakers in the driver's seat and need to just win one more game to clinch the outright title. As far as the game itself here, Maryland really just shot really well, unlikely well. They're a 31% three-point shooting team on the season. They go 14 of 22 from three. Northwestern can't hit threes throughout the game. It was a big difference maker. Uh, Maryland can't really shoot, but you can't let them shoot either. And Northwestern didn't do a great job defending out on the perimeter. Maryland gets some good looks, takes advantage, ends up taking this game at home. Really good offense by both teams in the first half. Really efficient scoring by both teams in this first half. Field goal percentage, I think, was above 60% it was for both teams in the first 20 minutes. But then Northwestern just falls apart. Only scores 20 points in the second half. And it ends up allowing Maryland to run away with it from there and pick up this 16-point win. In the other matchup that was big yesterday, Michigan beats Wisconsin in overtime. And let's just go straight to the back end of this game. Uh, It was talked about on the broadcast, but... We had the classic question of do you foul or don't you foul? Wisconsin was up by three points. Michigan inbounding from the opposite side, dribbles up, almost throws the ball away, and then ends up setting up from underneath the basket. Of course, the dilemma is do you foul before that in the bonus, let Michigan make Michigan shoot free throws, and then you have to get the ball back, you shoot more free throws. Basically, you don't give Michigan that time to set anything up in the front court or even get to the front court by wasting more time. Do you do that? Do you not do that? It's a debate that can be had. The broadcasters on the call were saying, hey, maybe you should have done that. Because to be honest, before what ended up being a blocked shot tipped out of bounds, set up the inbounds from underneath the basket that Hunter Dickinson makes his three off of, that was going to be a pretty good look from the corner 4-3 to try and tie up this game. And if you do foul and let Michigan only shoot the two free throws, you do set up a situation where you don't let Michigan get that shot. So I'm I'm a guy who's in the position of, yes, foul there. However, you can't really, really imagine that what was going to happen happened. I mean, once you get that deflection out of bounds, it's not that much. Uh, it, it can't get much better from inbounding in the front court than what it was. Michigan was inbounding in a corner in front of its own bench, and it looked like it could have been almost a five-second violation. Ends up getting the pass off at the last second to a Hunter Dickinson, who has to leap to get it over a defender. Honestly, it was an impressive pass to get it to him. Then takes one dribble, turns, pulls up from three in an off-balance shot that really had no business going in, but he hit it. And we end up going to overtime where Michigan wins. You can foul there. I probably would foul there. But I don't blame anyone who says don't foul there. I don't think it's a situation where like the advanced metrics people and the traditional basketball fans are in some sort of huge divide. I'm perfectly fine going into that possession saying, hey, we have to give up a three to even keep this game going. Why risk the situation where possibly we miss free throws and make it even closer? Can't do that, right? So I understand not fouling here, but in this particular situation, I'm in the camp that I would personally foul. I don't think it's a right or wrong thing. I think it's just a strategic thing, 
but I'm in the camp where I would have fouled in that spot because, again, it takes away what would have been an open three if not for a chase down block and really just desperate attempt to get a hand up on it. And then you end up giving the contested three, the unlikely three that does, in fact, go in. So I foul there. Wisconsin doesn't. Wisconsin loses the game. And we'll talk about in a second what it does to their bracket hopes. Uh, in the other game that involved a Big Ten bubble team, Penn State lost a heartbreaker at home to Rutgers. And this one really, really hurts for their tournament chances. Uh Penn State led by 19 early in the second half. It led by 10 points with nine minutes to go in this game. And then the Nittany Lions scored three points the rest of the way. A monumental collapse. They lose by just three points. And the epitome of letting one slip through your fingertips. And one you needed to win. Rutgers is a tournament team. Rutgers is a solid tournament team. Penn State is floating on that edge of getting back into the tournament conversation. And they end up blowing this game at home. Really, really tough look for the Nittany Lions. But to be honest, this has happened a few different times for Penn State. And this is not the team that we had advertised at the beginning of the season as a tournament team, or at least not for the reasons we had it before. In the preseason, it was about, okay, this team's got five seniors in the starting lineup. This team's got experience. This team's got the passion. This team's going to know how to win games and know how to not lose games at the end. And what we saw here was the exact opposite. This Penn State team did not know how to close off this game when it had to honestly make two or three more plays in the final 10 minutes of the game to be able to close it out. It couldn't do it. That's not what a team that's this experienced and full of seniors is supposed to do. And you're blowing another chance to make the NCAA tournament to this, at this point. It's the difference between a tournament team and not a tournament team. Rutgers is a for sure solid tournament team. They've got great wins. They play consistently. They play good defense. And they won this game. Penn State gave a definition of a team that's not ready to play in the NCAA tournament, could not win this game, did not feel like a team that was together or knew what it was doing. I mean, in the last play, Penn, uh, it was Rutgers up by three on Penn State, Penn State inbounding from the sideline in the front court. It was like 18 seconds left, down by three, and the inbounds pass is a heave across the court. It gets to them, and they get a couple of shots off, but that's just not smart basketball. That can't be how that play is drawn up. That cannot be how you start that play when you've got those guys on the floor. And that's how Penn State starts it. And, and when I saw that pass, I was just like, that's it. That's why Penn State's losing this game. Because that kind of pass is not the pass that you make to start off a play to try and tie the game. Again, it's the difference between a tournament team and not a tournament team. Rutgers is one. Penn State right now isn't one. And it's running out of time to prove that it belongs in the field of 68. That's why I look at the games from Sunday around the Big Ten. Let's wrap up the show with the Big Ten news from the weekend. I mentioned it before, but Purdue basketball has clinched at least a share of the Big Ten regular season title. With their next win, they will win it. They'll need losses from a few different teams all combined for, to be able to get it without getting their own win. Them winning themselves will be the much easier route. Also, the Big Ten women's basketball tournament bracket is set and official. The top four seeds with those double buys are Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, and Ohio State. One to four in that order. Everything else starts up later this week. In football news, Northwestern running backs coach Lou Ieni is no longer the Northwestern's running backs coach. He has taken the same position with the Denver Broncos. And in Minnesota's defensive back Beanie Bishop has entered the transfer portal. Minnesota Golden Gophers DB Beanie Bishop enters the transfer portal. 
Finally, just a little bit of a weird note. Urban Meyer went on a podcast last week and said that Ohio Stadium should be putting up a statue if for any quarterback, Cardale Jones. He did win a national championship for the Buckeyes, but I don't think that would be Ohio State's first pick if they were going about it. On the Big Ten schedule for today, only one top 25 event to tell you about. No men's or women's basketball on the schedule for the day. Number 13, Michigan State is hitting the mats on the road at number 24, Illinois in women's gymnastics. That's the only top 25 matchup on the Big Ten calendar for the day. My bets from over the weekend, Illinois minus four and a half at Ohio State. That was a loss. Ohio State beat them by 12. First Big Ten win in a while. I don't know what to say. Ohio State looked terrible. All of a sudden, they looked good. Uh, Northwestern plus six and a half at Maryland. That was a loss. I already apologized for this one. But yeah, I probably was stupid for thinking that Maryland would not be able to cover up that spread at home when they were going for an undefeated Big Ten season at home. And I did get pick up a win, though. Michigan, uh, Michigan was at home minus five and a half against Wisconsin. Thank you for overtime. Michigan is the hotter team right now. They pick up that win. And uh, of course, I needed it after the weekend that we had to start things off. All right, that's it for Locked On Big Ten today. Thank you for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. That'll do it for me here on Locked On Big Ten. A reminder to follow along on the show wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter at Locked On Big Ten. One zero at the end, not T-E-N. Until next time, I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports on Twitter with Locked On.